I'm Logan. Hi, I'm Patsy, her mother. And this is Chills, a true crime podcast. One that's sure to give you chills. Ooh, that was good. All right. So, <laughs> we did that take probably four times. And that one, that one, we're going with it. We're going with it because that one was pretty good. First off, we want to thank everyone who listened and who has shared our podcast. We're blown away with all the love we received. So, thank you guys Absolutely. so much. Yes. Thank you so, so much. I'm so ready for you guys to hear this case. I literally posted on our Instagram yesterday because we're filming this on Friday because we're the worst and time management is not very good with us. Life, life gets in the way. Right, exactly. And mom has had two how, hours sleep. Yeah, two hours of sleep. So yeah, we're, we're good. We're, we're going for it. But I posted on Instagram yesterday that I was so excited for you guys to hear this case and I'm literally, I'm so ready. So I can't wait to see what you think as well as the listeners because I know that you don't know this case. No, I, I'm, the name does not sound familiar. No. Well, maybe once like the murderer does. It might. It yeah. may. I don't know. Just because I, I think that I have talked to like talked about it with you before. Mm-hmm. But there's not a single podcast episode. You're going to hear Tinsley sneezing in the background. <laughs> She's... <laughs> That's just part of it. You just yeah. got to get used to mm-hmm. it and I mean, tone her out because wherever we're at, she's at. It's going to be Logan, Mom, and Tinsley. Like that. <laughs> Those are the creators of this podcast. <laughs> All right. So um, there's not a single podcast episode on this case, which is so much harder to find than you would probably, like, probably think. But I'm so excited because it was my mission to find a case that has not been covered by another podcast. And bring awareness to it. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, also this case is, the case isn't local, but the murderer was sentenced in our local prison. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Ooh, I'm, I'm curious now. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Let's okay. All right. So also this is going to be the first episode in like a little series that I'm starting. I don't even think I've told you this, but it's going to be called solved or is it? which is exactly how it sounds. This case has been solved, but I'll let you guys decide if the man convicted really is guilty or not. Mm. Yeah. So let's go ahead and jump in. This is the murder of Carla Lou Brown. Carla was born on February 28th, 1956. She was absolutely gorgeous. I'm going to show you a picture real quick. Mom, let me pull her up real quick. Oh, wow. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, she's Mm. really, really, really pretty. I'm just going to describe her to you guys real quick. She was petite, about 4 foot 11 inches. She was small. Yeah, and she only weighed 100 pounds, so she was definitely Mm. a little tiny. Mm -hmm. She had golden blonde hair, and she was very curvy with a slim figure. As the wives of true crime would say, she was a real disco biscuit. (laughs) Have you heard them say that? (laughs) Yeah. It gets me every time. Yeah, she was definitely disco biscuit. She was definitely a disco biscuit. Yeah, she was definitely a disco biscuit. She was super duper pretty and gorgeous. And if you guys want to see a picture of her, we will post that on of our on our Instagram. So the summer of 1977, the local press had actually taken a photograph of her in a string bikini and straw hat as she walked down the beach. Like she was literally just walking down the beach. Like it wasn't like oh, okay, we're gonna take like a photo shoot or anything. She was literally just walking down the beach, and they took a picture of her. And when the newspaper photograph was published, Carla's parents had to change their phone number 
due to all the calls they were getting from young men interested in meeting their daughter. OMG. Yeah, isn't that kind of crazy? And this was back in 1977? Yeah. <laughs> so I actually watched a Forensic Files case episode on this, and I found it very interesting that this was actually was not mentioned at all in this Forensic mm. Files episode. Mm. Yeah, but I found it on, like, multiple articles, so I know for sure that it happened, but I thought it was very interesting that this wasn't mentioned in the Forensic Files episode, and I'll explain a little bit more in detail to that after a while, but I just wanted to mention that it was not mentioned in there. Mm. Um, And, I mean, y'all already know that she was murdered, because I already said it, but I feel like that was kind of a big deal. Yeah, because it brought a lot of attention to her. Yeah. You know, I mean... People strangers would, right people would know her you know that knew her but yeah total strangers yeah i mean, I mean to, to have the point to change you your phone to, number exactly that's what i was gonna say to the point yeah. you have to change your number because i mean back in that time you didn't have call waiting or anything like mm-hmm. that so it the, it probably no, just ringed off the hook and you didn't have car id so you have no idea who was exactly calling. and so I, I mean i obviously i didn't grow up in that time so i don't really know but um i did <laughs> Was, the phone with the cords. I did. <laughs> could you find somebody's phone number from like the phone book? Is that how you got someone's number? Because I was curious yes. how. Okay, yes. so they probably but just looked with up her, her being name. That young, they wouldn't have had hers. It would have been her parents' name, unless you have your own phone number. It's under your parents' name. I wish I could have found the newspaper article, but I couldn't find it anywhere. Which I mean, it was 1977, so I'm mean, sure it was not on record. I mean, I should have drove to the freaking. I should have drove to the town that it was in <laughs> hours away <laughs> and got the ar- the newspaper archives. <laughs> Whatever. It's fine. Um, anyway. A lot to learn here. We're still learning. Right. That would have been cool. I should have done that. Yeah. That would have been a road trip. Yeah. <laughs> Carla was engaged to Mark Fair, who, had, she had, who she had been with for five years, and she was 22 years old. So at the time of her murder, she was 22 years old. She was finishing up college and planning a wedding. Um, and her and Mark had actually just moved into their first home together in Wood River, Illinois, on June 19th, 1978. And they actually held, like, a little moving party that day um, to thank all of their friends for helping them to come out and move. And so, our story takes place on June 28th, 1978. So, a year after the newspaper article was published. On at, sorry, at 5.45 p.m., Mark returned home from work with his friend, Thomas. I have no clue how, like, no clue how to pronounce his last name. Do you have any idea? Fagenbaum? 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 Something like that. We're just going to call him Thomas throughout this. Not that I, I don't really think I mentioned him a ton throughout this, but we're going to call him Thomas because I don't know how to say his last name. But, Mark noticed that the front door was open and actually, like, muttered to Thomas, I keep telling Carla to shut the front door. Hmm. So, yeah. So, Mark and Thomas went inside. He called out to Carla but never got an answer. He searched the bedrooms upstairs, and then he went downstairs. Stop reading my notes. I can see you. <laughs> You're finding out what's happening before I'm even saying it. Stop it. <laughs> Curiosity. Right? So, then he went downstairs to the basement. And this is where he found the half-nude body of his fiancée, Carla Brown. Her head and shoulders were immersed in a barrel of water. Her hands were tied behind her back with an extension cord. And there were two men's socks tied together around her neck. Mark, That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is really a weird way to find something. Oh, just, just listen. It's very weird. So Mark hmm. ran over and he pulled her out of the water and was yelling to Thomas to call the police. 
When the ambulance got there, they found Mark holding holding Carla's body and sobbing. So I can't, like, imagine, one, walking downstairs and finding that. And then, two, like, just imagine, like, the ambulance people walking in and, like, seeing mm-hmm. him yeah. holding his girlfriend. Yeah. And so initially they thought that she um, – I just want to mention this. Obviously, like, the ambulance walking into the scene, she was immersed in water. So they're like, okay, she drowned. And so they did start to give her CPR, but it was clearly evident that she had died before they even got there. But I did just want to mention that because I did see a couple articles on that. Um, So, yeah, they did give her CPR, but she'd she'd already been dead before they even arrived. So, anyway, I do want to mention that on the Forensic Files episode, the crime scene tech that came to – this house to review the case he said that the cord around her arms was very loose and like oddly tied so it wasn't like her arms were like tied together it was like they were tied separately with like a little bit of extension cord between the two Hmm. but he said that it was like so loose and it was behind her back too it was like so loose and like such a large amount between the arms that she could have easily like pulled it over her head and then probably gotten like gotten out. But you don't know when you're in that moment of panic. You know what I mean? So I know that, I, but I, I don't. I've never been in that situation. I hope I never am. But well, that's not really know. why I'm mentioning. I'm mentioning it because why would the murderer tie her hands like that? Because you do have the possibility here of her untying her arms and escaping. Mm-hmm. So why was she, her arms tied like that? Mm-hmm. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, I don't really think I mention it a whole lot in the rest of the, ep- the rest of the episode, but just just keep it keep it in the back of your head. So her autopsy revealed that she had been beaten, strangled, and stabbed, and had suffered from dry drowning. I had absolutely no idea. Never heard of what that. the heck that was. No. Yeah, me either. And so, according to WebMD, WebMD, dang, words are hard. <laughs> Whenever like a person. Inhales water through the nose and mouth, causing a spasm in the airway and difficulty breathing. The drowning is called dry because water does not enter the lungs because of spasm closing. So, like, the vocal cords closing. So, basically, whenever you're drowning and you're awake for it, you're, you know, like, flailing and Mm -hmm. freaking out and, Mm -hmm. like, losing your mind. And so, that's whenever, like, the water goes to your lungs. Mm -hmm. And so... That never happened. Yeah, you're, like, gasping for air and everything. So, basically, this meant that she was more than likely unconscious before she was put in the water. Mm. So, that's why it's dry drowning. Hmm. So, does that... Do you understand? Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, but I had never heard of that. Yeah, I had never heard of it either. It was even a thing. I guess it happens to kids a lot. Like, it's a... Hmm. Because whenever I literally searched dry drowning, a bunch of, like, kids' cases came up. So, I don't Hmm. know. I didn't go into too much detail about that, but that's what it is. Tinsley just barked. (laughs) Okay. Hey. (laughs) Hey, calm down, psycho. (sighs) Okay, I'm going to keep that in because I'm going to try and do no editing to this episode so we can get it up as soon as possible. So, according to the Forensic Files episode, the autopsy showed no signs of sexual assault. And this is a little, like, kind of controversial because I did read a couple of news articles that said there was semen found inside of her body. So I don't know if this means that 
one, the articles were wrong, or two, that she just had, like, consensual sex previously with, like, her boyfriend or something. And they didn't have DNA back then. Yeah, I know. So that's the bad thing. They, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't know. Yeah, but I I do want to mention that the Forensic Files episode said that there were no signs of sexual assault. So Mm. I'm assuming that this meant she did have consensual sex at some point. How do we know it wasn't with her boyfriend? That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Like, she probably had consensual sex with her boyfriend previously. Oh, okay. So you're not saying that these guys... Yeah, I'm not saying that... Because clearly she wasn't raped if there was no signs of sexual assault. And I I can't see her, like, being like, okay, yeah, let's have sex. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? True. Like, with a murderer. So anyway, I just want to mention that. And she was found with, like, nude from the waist down. So Hmm. no signs of sexual assault. She was naked from the waist down. Odd. Yes. Very mm. odd. Okay. So the coroner determined that she was, in fact, unconscious whenever she was submerged in the water. The socks around her neck had already cut off most of her air supply before her head was submerged into the barrel. And she was covered in a bunch of dark, ugly bruises and was wearing a heavy sweater that was buttoned. Now, remember, this is June. In Illinois. We live in... We're from Illinois. Yes, it's extremely yes. warm in June. It is hot as heck. So, this was weird. Because it was a very thick sweater and buttoned all the way up. And then I also read an article saying that her family said that she would never wear this sweater. And it wasn't even a sweater that she owned. Hmm. But then I also saw articles saying that she did own it. But rarely wore it. So, regardless, it was an odd thing to see her wearing this sweater. And then the two men's socks that were tied together were tied like tightly around her neck. And then she had a large gash on her forehead, a cut on her nose, and then a large gash on her chin. And then her neck was obviously bruised from like being strangled by the, the socks. Hmm. What, what's your thought? I don't, I don't know. Okay, because you made like a you made a face, so I didn't know if you were thinking something. I'm just wondering how long it takes for a bruise to appear. I guess it just depends on how bad it is. Like being strangled. Yeah. I don't think it. I think. I don't think it takes long at all. Because hmm. I never really pay attention. Like when you bump your arm or something, you just go, "Oh, that hurts." But you never really pay this. attention to how long it takes for a bruise to come. If this it comes was immediate. On in, oh wow. Yeah, hmm. that was literally immediate. I hit my. Because Brandon and I moved my desk into our bedroom so that way I could work in here. <laughs> I work from home on my computer, and so I moved my desk in here last night, and it was a struggle. It was awful. I hit my elbow like 700 times. Anyway, I think it's almost – I think it's like instant because you have to think. Like if you're strangling someone, you have to be putting so much yeah. freaking pressure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and that's why like that bone mm-hmm. is commonly broken because you're yeah. putting so much pressure. So, and this is what's really interesting to me. Everything the killer used was from the house. So, the socks were in a dresser drawer in the bedroom upstairs. And then I also read an article. I want to mention this just so I give you guys all of the information. The socks were not a match. So, yeah, I know. Weird. Yeah, because we always match our socks up, stick them in the drawer, unless they just throw a bunch of socks in there and then you go through them. Who knows? So the socks were not matched. So this is what I think in this. I could totally be wrong. But 
the laundry room was downstairs. And so I think that maybe it was like dirty clothes or clean clothes or something. Uh, yeah. And he just grabbed the two socks Mm -hmm. because they did found, find the match to one of the socks in the upstairs bedroom because it was her boyfriend Mark's. So that's where I think the forensic files episode kind of like leads you to believe that he almost like went upstairs and got the socks. Mm -hmm. But that's what I think happened because I really don't think that a murder would go upstairs, find two unmatching socks and then go back downstairs yeah, I don't either. And especially if there was... Because they did find, like, a clothes hamper with clothes in it. So I'm sure that that's what happened. But then why was there one sock upstairs and one sock downstairs to the same pair? Yeah, um, that's weird, too. But I just wanted to mention I that. I mean, people wear different socks now, but back in back then we did Yeah, 1977. We did no. not. Our socks matched, trust me. They did. Yeah. So I don't know. So, and then the extension cord that was tied around her hands had actually been packed in a box that was in the basement. So he just got that from the basement. Yeah. Um, The scene was uh, a mess to an extent. (laughs) The couch was soaked with blood and water. I misspelled couch. That's why I'm laughing (laughs) on my notes. Gosh, I'm an idiot. Okay. So the couch was soaked with blood and water. The blood was spattered across the floor. It was on a nearby coffee table. And then I also want to mention this. The Forensic Files episode. I know I keep referring to that. But that's where I got a lot of information And then I also, and that's where I originally watched this case as well. Um, I also got a lot of information from different articles too. And they're a little like contradictory on some of them. The Forensic Files episode did not mention this. I don't know. Maybe it was just out of like, I don't know, just not wanting to mention it. I don't really know. But I did read on like multiple articles that on the nearby coffee table was a used tampon. Hmm. Yeah. So that almost, like, goes again with the whole sexual assault thing, like. Yeah. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it's just weird. If there was no signs of sexual assault, but she clearly had, like, have taken her tampon out. Yeah. That is, that's very weird. Yeah. So. Mm. I mean, it almost, almost, like, looks like someone was trying to make it look like right. sexual assault. I don't, anyway, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Okay. In this case okay so again forensic files episode did not mention that but several articles did and i'm gonna definitely an odd place for one so right you know especially to be used it's got to have some kind of meaning to that's what i think too and that's why i thought it was so weird that the forensic files didn't episode like didn't mention it and they also didn't mention the semen either anyway regardless but i will kind of explain the forensic files episode in a little bit more detail later because i have some theories and thoughts on that Anyway, and then also a, the only thing that was overturned was actually a TV tray. And then there was a coffee pot like up in the rafters of the basement. So like the basement, like obviously wasn't like fully finished. finished. Yeah. Yeah. So there was rafters and there was a coffee pot up in the rafters. Obviously a very odd place for a coffee pot. Mm -hmm. The police believed that the coffee pot was like used to fill up water and then try and clean up the blood from the couch but all like i almost don't really understand this <laughs> yeah this like is... what was the point of trying to clean up the couch whenever there's blood everywhere and he also said that the police had likely interviewed the killer and he would be able to pass a polygraph test 
The profiler also said the killer most likely drove a red or orange Volkswagen, which I don't even understand, like, how you could even say that. I don't that. either. I don't understand how they can figure this out. Like, how do you pinpoint that so, like, directly? But regardless, this led them back to John and Paul, the men next door. Yeah. So, both men actually, like, fit the profile, minus the Volkswagen thing. They didn't, they didn't fit that. I don't know how you would figure out. Yeah, what I don't know how you're driving, but me either. I'm not a forensic, you know, profiler. Yeah, so. true. Okay, but they need more evidence. Like you obviously can't convict somebody, right? Just based on a profile. Say, yeah, exactly. So two years after the murder, the crime scene tech Alva Bush attended a seminar taught by Dr. Horner Campbell. He was demonstrating a photographic technique that used cameras monitors and computers to show details of crime scene photographs that can't otherwise be seen so almost like think of it as a microscope kind of Hmm. but in like a computer form right so bush told him about the case and the doctor looked through all of the photos and determined that the cuts to her face were made by the tv tray so the only thing that was overturned Mm -hmm. at the crime scene was the TV tray, and that's what had actually been used to make those marks, or, yeah, to make the cuts. And then they actually tested the TV tray, too, and they did find, like, blood spotters, and like, equivalent to mm. if she'd been hit with it. And then the doctor made a shocking discovery. He said to Bush, what about the bite mark? Dun, dun, dun. So Bush was like, what bite mark? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? So Dr. Campbell identified a bite mark on Carla's shoulder. He could even make out, like, the teeth in this bite mark. Mm. Right. So Carla's body was exhumed to look for anything that could have been missed, because obviously this is kind of a big thing to miss. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so at this time, three years after the murder... There was a huge media display because it was very uncommon to exhume a body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's just not something that happened. Like, it mm-hmm. just didn't happen. And so, at this time, three years after the murder, after this huge media display, John Pranty's friends actually came forward. Whenever I say these friends, it is including Paul Maine, the neighbor, hmm. who also fits this profile. He's also one of these friends that come forward. They say three days after Brown's murder, John Pranty wanted to talk all about all about Brown, saying that Brown had been murdered and that her body was down in the basement and she had teeth marks on her body. Ooh. The police didn't even know about the teeth marks at this time, you know, until years later after right, the murder. Yeah, he did. So the fact that John Pranty was supposedly talking about this mm-hmm. like three days after the murder was obviously a huge red flag 100% wow yeah so back to Carla's body what was missed the doctor found that Carla had been hit in the head and that was actually likely the cause of her unconsciousness and not like the strangulation Mm. so she was probably like hit in the head that's whenever she was unconscious they did the whole strangling thing and then put her in the bucket of water so she was unconscious basically for the whole thing yes well I mean that's what they are saying. I feel like whenever a body's exhumed, you can't actually get 
I don't know. For me, obviously, I'm not a scientist or know anything about this in any way, shape, or form. I would assume that you wouldn't be able to get all the accurate details. Because, I mean, the body's just been sitting there. Decomposing. So, I don't know, but that is what they... And it was back in 1978. Yeah, exactly. They just don't have stuff like that back then like they do now. I mean, they, they just don't. It's come a long, long way. And so, yeah. But that's, like, what the doctor... Determined. Determined. So they also got a lot more images of the bite, the bite mark on her shoulder, and they had a specialist compare the bite mark to three different dental casts. So you know about all, like all about dental casts because you went to dental hygiene school. <laughs> and literally, whenever I saw the dental cast, I immediately thought about the little dental cast yeah. that you have teeth, yeah. at home of your teeth. So <laughs> kind of funny. Anyway. Model number three was a match. Mm. Kind of. I'll explain that in a minute. (laughs) So this mold belonged to, can you guess? John Pranty. That's what I thought. Yep. So if you remember, he matched the profile. He hung out next door, passed the polygraph, all of that. Mm. And so... You know, like, they're like, this guy did it, obviously. It's his teeth. Yeah. It's his teeth. So, there was a trial and everything, and five years after her murder, on July 19th, 1983, John Pranty was tried and convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to, I don't know why I put 25 years, because it was actually 75 years that he was sentenced. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, I want to mention this, because I know a lot has changed, so... In 1983 was whenever he was convicted, but I know, I I don't remember what year, but I know one year they changed it to where you, like, had to serve the time that you, like, you were convicted or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? So, he didn't serve the full 75 years, and I'll kind of explain that as we go on. I just want to mention that. So, because I know I did not, um, like, put a note in my notes about that part, and I don't want you guys to be like, oh, well, he was connected to seven years, why didn't he serve? So, yeah, this was before that, whatever it was, mm-hmm. had been put in place. So, now is the part, whenever you're going to question everything. So, the prosecution experts never said that Pranty made the mark, only that he was in a small percentage of people that could have. Hmm. So, yeah. And the American Board of Forensic Ondontology, hopefully I'm saying that correctly, found a 63% rate of false identifications when using bite mark analysis. Wow. So virtually, like, this is not a reliable form. And then in 2009, the National Academy of Sciences found that no scientific studies have shown that a bite mark can be positively matched to a single person's teeth. I did not know that. Nope. And then in 2016, a report by the President's Council of Advisors on Science and Technology said that bite mark analysis is far from meeting the scientific standards for foundational validity and that the possibility of developing those standards is so remote that it's not even worth pursuing. So basically, it's like so far like out there that it would like it's going to take so long that it's not even worth even pursuing. Wow. Nonetheless, bite mark evidence is still submitted by courts and presented to juries. 
That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Because, I mean, I, I know if I was ever in a jury, it's going to be real hard to forget some type of evidence. Mm-hmm. Even if that evidence is thrown out, right. I, it's, it's not already, like you can automatically a, yeah. just forget it. Exactly. So don't tell me that that doesn't weigh in on your yeah. decision. Anyway, another confusing aspect of the evidence was that a lab report showed that both type A and type O blood were found at the scene. Hmm. Brown and Pranti were both type A. Raising the question. Who's type O? Yeah. Who's type O? Hmm. Exactly. So it goes kind of back to your theory, like... Were they trying to cover up, like, right. clean up the blood? Hmm. Yeah. that It kind of looks like that. It does. It, it sure kind of looks like that. And I'm going to go ahead and mention this now. Because, again, the Forensic Files episode didn't talk about this. The Forensic Files episode was so wholeheartedly on John Pranty. Like, it was 100,000%. The Forensic Files episode interviewed, like, the CSI tech um, and a couple other people, like, in the prosecution and everything. Mm -hmm. They wholeheartedly believed that it was John Pranty, and the whole entire Forensic Files episode centered around John Pranty being the murderer. Hmm. So I just want to mention that, like... Very biased towards Yes, all of the evidence that was presented in that was like, meant to correlate with John Pranty being the murderer. So all of the stuff that I've mentioned that was not in the episode, that's because it was not leading towards that suspect who the police 100% thought it was and who the Forensic Files episode solely focused on. Hmm. So, again, I'm just giving you all the information and letting y'all decide. Yeah. So, to the appeals... Pranty appealed in 1993 requesting DNA testing. Because remember... Right, there was DNA testing then. There was type O blood. There was sperm found on her. And, you know, all this other stuff. So, and the bite mark. Like, you know what I mean? Because there's going to be DNA on the bite mark. So, this was actually dismissed by the court as not having been filed in a timely manner. Then again, in January 2017... His attorney sought permission to test DNA for evidence found at the scene and to run a fingerprint found on the coffee pot that authorities said Pranty had 100% touched. And so they wanted to run this against, like, the various law enforcement databases. Right. Are you ready for this? The DNA evidence was too degraded to develop any kind of profile. (sighs) Wow. And the fingerprint matched no one. What? Yes. So the police are like, okay, 100% John Pranty touched this coffee pot. And yet it did not match John Pranty's fingerprints. Hmm. And didn't match no one. So basically that means this person not in the system. Whoever's fingerprint it was is not in the database. Wow. And I'm not saying necessarily that it was just criminal because this was 2017. Like, my fingerprints are in the system because I got fingerprinted for, um, what was it? It was for schooling. What was it? Radiology school? I don't remember. CNA. I, but, CNA, Yeah, maybe. something. Mm-hmm. I got fingerprinted for something. And I know a lot of jobs you and, have to get yeah. fingerprinted for, too. I've been fingerprinted, yeah. Yeah, so it's not 
necessarily just like criminals and stuff. It could be anybody that right. had to get fingerprinted Depending for a job. Your job like, yeah. You're still in this database. So in, as of 2017, there was no match to this fingerprint. And it's 2020, so. Yeah. For me, this is automatically a freaking red flag. Yeah. Like, it, you're like, okay, no, like the sus, like the murderer had to have touched this because clearly he he cleaned up the couch, mm-hmm. but yet your spus- the one that was convicted and is serving, you know, time in prison isn't the match to it. So I couldn't find any information on this, but I'm very curious to see if the boyfriend was fingerprinted. Not saying I that the boyfriend, the same yeah, thing. not I was, saying I that the boyfriend said, did this well, at all or anything. The boyfriend was ever fingerprinted, but I would have thought he would have been. Yeah, because you know, I feel like if you have nothing to hide and you want to cooperate, why wouldn't you? Yeah, not saying and that I, he's thank doing. Thank God, this. I've never been to jail, so I don't know how that goes. But I feel like that's part of it. Whenever you get questioned and stuff, yeah, they go through the process of all that, unless they only do that if you are. Yeah. Put in jail. I don't. I don't know because well, I've never been questioned on anything. So I don't know. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know either. But I would. I and I couldn't find it anywhere. I searched, but I. W- I would be very curious to know to see if he. He actually was or not. Not that we're saying it was him. No, I'm not saying it was him. I mean, but just out of curiosity, he, he does um, have an ally. He was at work, so mm-hmm. I'm just curious to see if he was because. Not ne- not saying that he did it, but. It was his house that's what i was thinking his His fingerprints would be on a lot of things yeah so that's why i'm kind of curious if it like could have been his yeah and then again to the type of blood really you don't get fingerprinted unless you're in some kind of healthcare field or you're working with children uh you know teachers school bus drivers you know stuff like that everybody has especially in 1977 I yeah. highly doubt exactly. any of those people yeah, even got. I, yeah, I don't think I don't think so either. So I am curious. Again, not saying that he did it. I'm just curious to see if it could have been his because he did live in the house. Right. So. Anyway. It's pouring down rain. Yeah, it is. So you're probably gonna hear that, guys. So. One of my sources says that Prandy was offered, um, you know, one of those pleas. I cannot remember what it's called, and I should have looked it up, but I can't remember. You know, like, the pleas that you can take where if you confess to it, like, you'll plea be bargain. let out. It's not, like, I don't think it's actually called a plea bargain, though. But it's it's basically where you are, you don't serve, like, time in prison. Yeah. But if you confess to it, like, you're let out. Yeah. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Michael Peterson took one. Mm. Do you know who Michael mm-hmm. Peterson yeah. Okay. Yeah. I do know that name. You do know who that I is? I do know Did that you name. watch the Netflix documentary? No, not yet. Okay, I no. watched Next for Me. It's really good. I do want to cover that case at some point, even though I know it's, like, super popular and everybody's seen it, but I have some theories. Um, but I do want to cover that one. I didn't know that you knew about it. We've never, really never talked about the Michael Peterson case. Yeah. It's just one of those things that's been covered a lot, so. How do you hear about it? Podcast? Probably. Probably. I didn't know if, like, you, I don't know, maybe heard it on the news whatever at the time it was mm-hmm. going down or whatever. Hmm. And there's already blood on the couch. There's standing water places. something in that blood that they were trying to wash away. I mean, I don't... It doesn't make any sense. Maybe there was. I don't Hmm. know. Let's move on. So, um, another thing police found was a bloody handprint on the doorknob. 
again, gonna mention the the Forensic Files. The Forensic Files episode is actually the one that mentioned this. I could not find it in any other article that I read. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of weird. And I read, like, probably, like, 12 different articles. I went down a freaking rabbit hole. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of weird. But regardless, word got around quickly about Carla's murder and her funeral took place three days after the murder. Police began looking at her fiancé like you rightfully yeah, do. Yeah, I guess it's always been a case where always 100%. look at the one closest to you. Nine times out of ten, it's the husband. It, it's, it's someone close to her, I'm telling you. So, Carla's sister, Connie, said in an interview, I didn't know Mark very well, although he had dated for, although they had dated for a number of years off and on, there were times in the relationship when it wasn't great, but she seemed to always be crazy about him. I ran into mar- multiple articles that Carla suspected, like, slash figured he was cheating on her on multiple occasions before they got engaged but once they got engaged like it had stopped Mm. so again i'm sure in 19 it seems like in 1977 like when that stuff happened you just kind of okay it happened let's move on you know what i mean i feel like people did not leave their significant other I just from stories old in 1977, and stuff. So. Yeah, but like the stories you hear and stuff, it seems like they always stayed. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I yeah, I can see that. I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, but I just wanted to mention that that I did read multiple articles that said that. Anyway, they eventually ruled him out. I mean, he was at work, so he did have obviously had an alibi, and they began investigating all the men who lived on the street and were home at the time of the murder. This led them to next-door neighbor Paul Main and John Pranty, who was a friend of Paul's that regularly hung out there. Hmm. Do you remember hearing those names? No. Okay. I may have not told you about this months ago, but I couldn't remember if I did or not. Okay. I've watched so many podcasts and listened to so many, and it's hard to... Names, I'm horrible with names. Names and numbers. Uh, I tell you. And so I might know the cases, but I'm sorry. The names just don't. No, I just wanted to make sure because I was hoping that you did not remember. I never was. Yeah, I was hoping you didn't remember. Um, So Paul Main was the neighbor who lived literally directly in the house next door to Carla, like right next door. And then John Pranty was his friend that hung out there. Mm -hmm. So the police had both men take a lie detector test and both men passed. So they were cleared of suspicion. Around this time, the police got help from an FBI profiler, and this is the profile he came up with. The killer was an unmarried white male living close by, or he had been at the time of the murder. He was in his late 20s to early 30s. He has difficulty holding down a job, has a sloppy appearance, and he had not intended to kill whenever he came over to Carla's house that day. But anyhow. Yeah, anyway. um, So a source did say... That he was offered this. Um, but I don't know. I wasn't able to confirm it. So anyway, the source said that he turned this down, saying that he was innocent and not going to confess to something that he did not do. Hmm. So Joshua Tep- Tepper, hopefully I'm saying that correctly, works for the Exoneration Project in Chicago. And then Dana Delger, or Delger, works for the Innocence Project in New York City. They both took on this case recently. Motion that was made in reference to the witnesses. So, 
again, most of those eyewitnesses came forward years later after there was major, like a major news campaign regarding the case. And this is actually a direct quote um, from, uh, I think his name was Joshua. He said, they came forward only after a huge media campaign. That testimony would be suspect today. So, and I 100% agree. Like if that would have happened in, you know, 2020, that 100% probably would have been thrown out. Right. I mean, they conveniently came forward after a huge, huge media campaign. And one of the freaking people who was also a suspect. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, because remember, Paul Maynard is a suspect. Like, he would also fit this profile. Like, exactly. He was included in this. Hmm. I 100% believe that that probably shouldn't have been allowed because that's, I don't know. Anyway, regardless, you guys you guys can decide on that. It was held in the Paintneyville Correctional Center. No way. Oh. Wow. I it's, told you it was our local, local prison. Yeah. yeah. He was listed as on parole in 2019 and is eligible for release in 2022. I know this because I actually looked at his file on like the prison website. So. Wow. Yeah. I actually looked at it. Um. And I actually asked somebody about this, too, um, a friend of mine who is a prison guard, um, like the whole parole thing. So the parole on his file, like it showed that he was serving parole in like this certain area, like it was like parole building A or something like that. And I asked somebody about this. I did not know that you could do this, but apparently you can serve parole like your parole period in prison. And I guess that this is something that a lot of people do, um, you know, because if you do anything wrong, mm-hmm. like even get a freaking speeding ticket, you automatically go back to prison. Hmm. So I guess a lot of people will serve their parole time in prison. So that way, you know, they don't. Right. End up going back. Yeah. They're not able to. Like you could even go to prison for jaywalking because it's right. like, you know, an illegal thing. And if you're, if you find you do something illegal while on parole. Which, obviously, that's not always the case. The Reagan-Tokes murder. Yeah. Maybe it depends on states. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, that's not always the case that, like, you're going to go back to prison for doing something illegal. Oh, because oh, okay. yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. people aren't watching. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously he's been paroled. Like, he's technically, like, out of prison. Again, I don't know if for sure he's you know, doing his sentence, his parole period in prison. I have no idea. But technically, he's out of prison. And so even after being paroled and almost, you know, being completely out of prison, you know, having nothing to do with it in 2022, he's still fighting to have this conviction turned over. So that's, you know what I mean? I feel like that's kind of like a, a thing. Anyway. So, thoughts. I know I gave you a lot of information. You did, and I didn't realize it was this close. I mean, I was thinking, I Peoria, Pontiac, maybe. Yeah. How did you find out about this case? I watched a Forensic Files episode on it. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah, and it just so <laughs> happened to be literally crazy. Yeah, it's more interesting, like, to me... With something so local. I mean, it's scary. Oh, 100%. Scary, but then it's like, yeah. oh, if I would have known this from the very beginning, I would think, what? What? <laughs> well, I was laying in bed thinking about this last night, 
you know, we're obviously from a small town and a small town that has lots of prisons around us. Really, we do. We have three prisons. We have a federal and two state, right? Yeah. I was thinking about this last night. Like, I, I honestly can only remember like a handful of times where a dead body has been found in our area. And I know, like, I just remember, like, us freaking out about it. Like, being like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think maybe one of those times it was actually, like, foul play or anything like that. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that one time there was a dead body that was found in Rin Lake. Head. Or a head. head. Regardless. Head. Something. And I just remember, like, freaking out about it. So I was thinking about this last night. Imagine these people that, like, actually live in these towns where these mm-hmm. dead bodies are found yeah. regularly. Or even just not even regularly, just, you know, randomly. It's crazy, and it would be so freaking weird. Because I just know how, like, crazy it was whenever that dead body was found. Or the, oh, the yeah. head was found. Everybody was freaking out. Which I don't... Was, I don't even know what came about it. Maybe we'll cover I that at some point. I don't think but, anything ever came about it. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. I don't even but know I if they could identify I, I the, the person. Yeah. Maybe we'll cover that at some point. Yeah, that would be a good case mm, to cover. Pretty, pretty gross, though, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um... But I was just thinking about that last night, that it, it, I'm sure it's so freaking weird mm-hmm. and, like, scary and terrifying and crazy yeah. to, like, live in one of these towns. But back to the case. I got off topic. Um, I kind of want to hear your thoughts first. Okay, I'll go first. Whatever. So, I don't think he did it. <laughs> Who do you think did? I don't know. I have a couple of theories, but I don't think he did it. I really don't. And, and you don't think he knows anyone that did it or knows anyone that was associated with it? I don't think he knows who did it. I don't. I don't think he does. Well, we got to remember. Oh, she got- real quick. I forgot to mention this, um, which I'm, I'm sure you probably got this information from everything I've said. But John Pranty has always maintained his in- his his innocence. I just want to put that out there because I don't think I actually mentioned it. But he has always 100% maintained that he did not do this for the whole extent of his sentence and all mm-hmm. of that anyway sorry no it's okay it's just that we go back to the Gannon story where she, there was a picture of her walking on a beach and they took a picture of her and then published it publicized it and then she got a lot of uh attention from it exactly. so i mean even back in 1977 and 78 there was weird people exactly i mean they were more closet weird than they are yeah. now but there's always been weird people exactly. so it draw attention so that brings out you know people that's why i and thought so it was so crazy it very well could be a random person that yeah. just was so infatuated with her but what i don't understand if it was a random person why did they have to kill her and why did they do it the way they did it i would think if they was infatuated with her sexually they would have sexually assaulted her well, so here's the police's theory on John Pranty. Um, I want to put this out there. Um, they thought that maybe he, like, gave, like, a sexual advance to her, like, call- came on to her and she turned him down. Yeah. And that he got, like, this was the prosecution's, uh, like, whole, mm-hmm. like, layout. That he got so enraged, mm-hmm. hadn't, like, planned on killing her, but got so enraged that he ended up killing her. So that could have very easily been someone else. Yeah. But I do feel like, in a sense, she had to have been sexually assaulted in some way, or she wouldn't have been naked from the waist down. Or they wanted to make it look like that. 
So if you look at cases where people are, they want to make it look like sexual assault, nine times out of ten, it's a female who murdered the person. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Wow, that never even crossed my mind. It crossed my mind. The moment they said that there was no sexual assault. It could have been, Yes. very well could have been. I mean, some guy that was infatuated with this girl and her girlfriend got sick of hearing about her or whatever or was jealous of her. Or even a friend, not saying that a friend did it, but. I mean, it could go so many different ways. I never once even thought about that. Yeah. In those cases where, like, sexual assault is like, it looks like sexual assault, but there hasn't been any sign of sexual assault nine times out of ten it's like a female who made it look like that so that way they would immediately go jump on to like a male suspect so that's what i kind of thought too yes because the fact that she was not sexually assaulted i just keep going back to that but yet didn't have her bottoms on it's just like mm, yeah it very well could have been a female i never that didn't even cross my mind and i mean obviously they tested Right? <laughs> Going the other way. They tested the semen that was found on her, but mm-hmm. it was too right. old to actually right. get anything for, from it. I think that it was her boyfriend, and they had consensual sex at some point recently, before. Yeah, yeah recently. recently. Not that, maybe not even that day, but at some point. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that that has anything to do with the actual case. I think that that's a whole separate other thing that shouldn't even be like associated with the case. But you know what's... What's sad about this, if this was to happen now, they would have found out who did it. Oh, 100%. Well, and technically they did. Yeah, but but it's not guaranteed or yeah, 100%. No. So they, they do, but they didn't. They found somebody guilty of it, but did he really do it? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Only he knows. I mean, he knows. Yeah. He knows if he did exactly. it or not. And he's maintaining his innocence, so... I know, and that's what I'm saying, too. To maintain your innocence for this long Mm -hmm. and to continue to fight to get exonerated even after you've been paroled Mm -hmm. and you're going to be released from prison in 2022. Which is soon. Yeah, very soon. two years away. I feel like, I don't know, I just don't think he did it. And I feel like it was almost like a witch hunt. And... Like, the big huge thing with, like, the Innocence Project and everything, their main thing is the the bite mark. Like, it, it's not a reliable form of evidence. I see how it can't be, though. You because know I mean? you can't 100% say, oh, okay, this person is the one that bit it. It's only, like, a category of people. You know what I mean? Like, a group of people there. You're like, well, these people in this group could have done it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you mm-hmm. can't reliably say 100%, okay, these are the, the, this man's teeth is the one that bit. But you can limit it down, right? I don't really know how I it works. I would think. But, I, I mean, I... from, I mean, everything I told you, though, it's not reliable. And I read that a lot of convictions and stuff are getting overturned where the bite mark is the sole evidence. Wow. And the I guess the reason why this case, I'm assuming, like, hasn't really gotten overturned is because of those testimonies where their friend, his friends came forward. But his friend was literally also a suspect. So, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. 
And, and again, it was after a huge media thing. So I don't know. We hear all the time people like inserting themselves into cases and stuff because they just want to be a part of it. So I'm just thinking if her picture never would have been taken and be put in that paper, would she still be alive now? I know. You know what I mean? You got, you got, it may not even have anything to do with it. Who knows? But, but you got to wonder. I feel like it's, that's why I feel like it's so weird that Forensic Files did not mention it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I feel like that's a big deal to have to change it your is. phone number. Yeah. And to have all of these people, you know, seeing your picture and knowing who you are and knowing what town you live in. I mean, obviously it didn't show her address, but like it was the local freaking newspaper. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's clearly evident that the Forensic Files was, the episode was definitely biased. Yeah. As some of them sometimes are. Which I mean, I can't blame them. They think that this person did it. Well, so. you think somebody yeah. goes, does, did it and you just go with it and run with it because you want an answer. You want somebody to be held accountable for it. Yeah. True. Back to the fingerprint match. Um, you know, again, the fingerprint match, no one. I feel like that this is a clear sign mm-hmm. that he didn't touch the, the, the coffee pot. And it was clearly used to clean up the blood. And again, with the type O blood. Yeah. How do you, like, rationalize that there was type O and type A blood found, but his blood type is type A? So there had to be two people, regardless. Yes. What was her blood type? Type A. Her blood type was Yeah, they were both type A. Yeah, it definitely had to be another person. Yeah, another person had had to have bled. Right, yeah. That right there shows. Yeah. What type was the boyfriend? Could not find it anywhere. I looked that up too, and that's what, because I thought that was also weird too, but. Not that we're blaming the boyfriend. No, I'm not blaming the boyfriend either, but I do think that it would be like very, very crazy and a very strange, weird, like coincidence if he just so happened to have bled downstairs where her body was. was typo. Yeah, where her body was uh, mm-hmm. found. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that that could have possibly been right. something that actually happened. Right. That had to have happened. So, I mean, the only physical evidence is the bite mark that has, you know, been proven. That is an unreliable form yeah, of evidence. Bite mark that cannot even be used. Yeah. And then there are the eyewitness accounts saying that he was supposedly, like, heard talking about it and about the bite mark, you know. Which does lead you to believe that he would have to be guilty because no one knew, not even the police. So how would he know? But this was after this big, huge media campaign, though. Like, True. I guarantee that they said that there was a bite mark at this point. I don't know. I know nowadays when you listen to all these podcasts and stuff, you realize that sometimes the police and stuff keep stuff private. But this was so 1977, they, right, right. and her body was being exhumed. Do not tell me that the media wasn't freaking on that and yeah. being like, why was her body? Why is her body yeah. being exhumed? What are you looking for? What are you looking for? What are you looking for? Yeah. 100%. I think that this, I think that this linked, and I don't want to call her the friends liars, but I think that they saw this, and they may have 
kind of came up with this a little bit. Now, do I think that John Pranty may have been talking about the murder? Yeah. I probably mm-hmm. he probably was talking about the murder. I'm sure so many he lived people right were next door. talking about uh, the We murder. didn't live next door, but he was right next door. Yeah, at I mean, the when time something the happens in your town, never mind, you know, your neighborhood, you're you're going to talk about it. Exactly. I don't know. Tell me what you guys think on today's image. On it's going to be on. Um, well, I'm going to post a picture on Instagram of. Um, Carla and then John Pranty and I don't know maybe something else we'll see if I can find any more like cool images that I need that yeah. goes along with this case it um, might be hard to find stuff considering it was back in 1978 I found like pictures of John Pranty and stuff and Carla but I don't know maybe I want to see if I can find like a picture of the house or something but I'm gonna post on our Instagram a picture of that and I'll probably post it on our Twitter as well as our Facebook page tell me what you guys think like, comment on that image and tell me what you guys think. Because I'm so curious to see what everyone thinks. What do you, what are your thoughts? Do you think he did it or not? A part of me says yes and a part of me says no. I mm-hmm. feel like there was not enough evidence to convict him. Without a reasonable, like, without a reasonable right. Con- right. Like doubt. Yeah. I know. I, I, that's kind of part of me, too. Like, I'm I like, mean, okay, maybe he did do it. The but... O and the A blood. Yeah. Yeah, that exactly. just shows there was two people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I clearly... If he did do it, mm-hmm. I don't think that the evidence points to he 100... Like, I believe that he 100% did it beyond mm-hmm. reasonable doubt. And if he did do it and someone else was involved, you're in prison. Why wouldn't you give him up? I don't think he knows if... That's what I'm saying. I, don't, I, saying, I yeah. don't think it was. I don't think it was, but, you know... I know we would like to hope it was, and we'd like to hope that they found the, her killer. Yeah. But at the same time, is, was there you, someone else you out hear, there? You hear about false convictions oh, all the, the time, time, especially in, like in today's day and age. Yes. And here's my thing with this. If this case was tried today, he would not be found guilty. No. No. So I don't know. And if it is true that he really was um, offered that plea mm-hmm. to it, just confess... I find it like I don't I I like I can tell you right now if I was con- like you know convicted of murder and they offered me a deal and I didn't do it I mean I would I would think that I would probably take it just to get out of prison Wouldn't you? I don't know. I I don't know because you're admitting to something you didn't do. Yeah. And I, I know, mean even but though he he's going to have a record his entire life in prison exactly. though. I don't know. I don't I mean I would think that I would go ahead and take it to get out of prison. But I don't know. I don't know. Uh it's kinda crazy. Um well and especially if you really did do it too. Yeah. Especially if you did it, you would take it. Right. I don't know. Very very interesting. It's kinda Kind of crazy. At least you would think so. Yeah, but definitely post on, like, comment on that post and tell me what you guys think. Because I'm so curious what other people think. Because this isn't like a, like I said, there's no, like, um, podcast episodes on it. There's no, like, YouTube videos on it or anything like that. Like, it's not that popular of a case. And so I'm so curious what everyone thinks. I don't know. It's just crazy to me. 
If he really didn't do it, it's a, it's sad for multiple reasons. First off, a murderer got free. Mm-hmm. Like, Which just got off. Just yeah. No, did they go out and do it to someone else, or was this just a one-time thing? Exactly. Like, Could it so be your neighbor? She didn't truly get justice if he really didn't do it. And then, you know, secondly, an innocent man spent his life in prison for something that he didn't do. So, I don't know. It's It's crazy. I did find a Facebook post where somebody had, like, shared um, back in 2017 whenever this was, like, because it was kind of in the media in 2017 whenever they filed this uh, DNA uh, thing where they filed for the, Mm -hmm. to test the DNA. Um, I found this Facebook post. So someone had shared this post and then people had commented on it. And the review, like, the comments were kind of mixed. Some people were like, oh, he didn't do it. Some people did, blah, blah, blah. But a woman, and I couldn't confirm this, but I just thought it was kind of interesting. A woman had actually commented on it, and she was like, I pray every day that your conviction gets overturned and that they prove that you are innocent. And then somebody had commented on it, and they're like, you think that this guy's innocent? And she's like, yes, he was uh, my next-door neighbor. Him and his family grew up beside me, and they are a wonderful family, and he 100% didn't do it. Again, I can't confirm if she was actually his neighbor, but I thought it was just kind of interesting. We're not going to do, like, any more chit-chat than that. I mean, because we were kind of chit-chatting just then. But, so we're not going to be talking about anything else. Just because this this, this episode's going to be super-duper long. And so, I don't want to make it, you know, two hours long. So, <laughs> it's long. It's, yeah, it's definitely going to be over an hour. But that is, you know, that's it for our fourth episode. Yay. Yeah, exactly. So... <laughs> Um, I do want to mention that we do have an email address. So if you guys ever want to email us about case suggestions or anything whatsoever, I will have that listed on the show notes as well as our any sources that we found for this episode. But yeah, that's all we got for you guys today. Thank you guys so much for listening and be sure to tune in next Friday for our next episode. So thank you guys so much. Thank you. Bye.